What's up, Boom Team? Welcome back to the podcast, episode 11 of season 2. I hope you guys are having a great day, night, morning, week, whatever you guys are doing, wherever you are. I hope you're having a great time, and uh, I hope you're enjoying yourself and you're doing something productive. Uh, that's a, something I've always noticed that uh, I'm not always doing is um, you know doing something productive. So if you can try and find something productive to do throughout your day, um, then you're usually going to be doing pretty well and having a good week and a good day. That's what That's what I've found so far. But um, week 13 of the NFL season, um, some big topics to go over from last week, um, which week 13, um, and then we're going to talk into week 14, um, what I think is going to be going on, and uh, who's going to be winning which games, and we're going to also be talking about our power rankings that I've uh, tweaked a little bit, and I feel a lot better about this week than I did last week. Um, this week I did okay on my picks. I had, let's see, one, two, three, four and five losses this week so it wasn't bad um, my overall season record is 119 games uh, picked correctly and then 73 games not picked correctly which i'm pretty proud of um hopping in we have some big topics this week that we're going to talk about we're going to talk about uh, how bill belichick and the new england patriots beat the buffalo bills with mac jones only throwing three passes in the entire game um, I'm going to be answering the question of whether or not the 49ers or the Washington football team is a playoff team or not. And I'm also going to be talking about who I think the real contenders are for a championship. But before we do that, we're going to go over Sunday's games because we went over uh, Thursday night game, the Thursday night game of last week with the Saints in Dallas. Um, and we're going to go over a couple of these Sunday games. I got quite a few of them that I'm going to be talking about just because there was a lot of games that I thought were pretty meaningful this week. Um, even games like uh, the Colts and the Texans uh, and just stuff like that. Just games that you might not have thought was so meaningful, but I'm going to go over them and talk about why I think they're meaningful. Um, first up is going to be the Bengals and the Chargers. I got this one wrong. Um, I was really high on the Bengals. I thought, you know, Joe Burrow's having a, a good season quietly. T. Higgins has been playing phenomenal, and the, do- the offense has just been, you know, firing and doing really, really well, and I thought the defense was doing well as, uh, as well. But it didn't happen. Uh, the Chargers really, they showed how dominant they can be when they play a full game together as a team. Uh, the defense stole two interceptions from Joe Burrow, and they also grabbed uh, two fumbles from the Bengals as well. So they had four total turnovers, which, you know, that's, that's all you can really ask for is your, from your defense is to have those takeaways to give yourself four extra possessions. And the, the Chargers took advantage of it. Justin Herbert, he also showed that even when his uh, team can be inconsistent in performance, uh, he will always show up. He had a great game. He had uh, three touchdowns and one interception. So he really took advantage of those, uh, of those takeaways and, you know, did what he could. Uh, Keenan Allen also had a performance with uh, two touchdown grabs as well. So he had a great game. He's out right now on the COVID protocol, so that kind of affected my decision-making for this week because uh, Mike Williams is also considered out right now, but he's a toss-up. Um, so the Chargers are really playing it by year this week. Uh, Jamar Chase was held down to 50 yards uh, for the for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he had a, a lower performance than he usually does, and uh, the Chargers defense put a lot of emphasis on him and uh, trying to slow him down. Uh, but what they did is they failed to keep T. Higgins down. T. Higgins had 138 yards receiving and a touchdown. Um, Higgins has had two 100-yard uh, receiving yard games this past two weeks, and he's been really heating up. Um, and he's just been playing great, and this uh, Bengals offense is doing phenomenal uh, right now. Joe Mixon had a great game as well. Um, it was unfortunate that the Bengals had started out so slow, but that just goes right back to what I said earlier about the Chargers having a, you know, just a dominant defensive showing, especially to start the game. 
And um, it also didn't help that uh, Joe Burrow had dislocated his pinky and uh, his, it was swollen. It looked like a like a little baseball, not, not a baseball size, but it was it was just very round uh, where he dislocated it. And uh, you could see on the sideline that when he would throw the ball to practice to, you know, try and get comfortable with it every time he let go um, and he brought his arm down, you, you could just visibly see um, how upset he was and how, you know, how much it was hurting him just to throw the ball and I can only feel that I mean if you've ever had like a part of your arm or a leg swollen you know swinging that around um, it does not feel good at all and he's got to throw a football you know pretty fast and he's got to fit it some tight corners um, in order to make a play which he ended up doing miraculously Um, if you watch that game he actually started to throw the ball better um, after he hurt himself which makes no sense at all but uh, Bengals lost to the Chargers, and I thought it was a good game ultimately, even though it started out kind of slow for the Bengals. Um, I enjoyed myself overall. Uh, next up is the Dolphins and the Giants. Uh, the Dolphins are hot right now. Um, they're on a five-game win streak right now after starting out the season 1-7. to seven, one and seven. Uh, Tua has had a passer rating of 100 or plus rating for uh, four straight games now. He's been playing really good football. Um, they haven't had the greatest opponents in the world, but, you know, a win's a win. Uh, Jalen Waddle has had eight-plus interceptions for the sixth time this season, which for a rookie, that's, you know, those are phenomenal numbers. Those, that's the production that you want. Um, and those are some, some of the takeaways from the Dolphins game is, you know, week after week I'm picking the Dolphins, and they're, they're cashing in for me. Um, I don't know how much longer it's going to hold up for them. Um, but, yeah, they've been taking advantage of these lower-tier teams like the Panthers, uh, like the Giants and you know they're they're winning these games and they're starting to climb back up into the to the playoff race I don't know if they'll make it because the Patriots and the Bills are are pretty well up there so it would they something something miraculous would have to happen for the Dolphins to make it into the playoffs but I think they're starting to feel better with Tua playing some better football the defense is playing well and Jalen Waddle is starting is showing real promise in the in the uh, wide out next up is the Colts and the Texans um, the, some of my key takeaways from this was uh, Jonathan Taylor is becoming the best rusher the Colts have seen in years. Um, and I, I wanted to say, you know, of all time there, because I think he will be if he stays on cor- course for what he's doing right now. Um, I think he will be the best rusher in Indianapolis hip- history. Um, he, he is something special. Um, in this game, he tied uh, Edgerin James for the most 100-yard, 100-plus uh, yards and one touchdown um, in a season for Indianapolis, uh, which is amazing. I think it was seven. That was the streak, his uh, seven games of 100-plus rushing yards and one-plus t- uh, one touchdown in a game, like in a season, if that makes sense. You know, he's had that many consecutive uh, games with at least 100 yards and a, and a touchdown. It's It's amazing. Um, and he's probably going to break that record for Indianapolis. You know, he's tied it already, and there's still four four weeks to go. So he's he's probably going to break that, um, except not this week because they're not playing. So he's got three games to go. Um, and he also um, tied for most games with uh, two-plus rushing touchdowns um, in the first two seasons of his career uh, with six. Uh, he tied the same person, Edgerin James, um, who is a great rusher for the Colts back in the day. And yeah, Jonathan Taylor has just been absolutely ripping it up, and uh, he's he's been phenomenal, and he's been a great player to watch, and I hope he keeps it up because he he is really fun, uh, especially when he gets in the open field. He just runs. He's so slick when he runs, but he's also a hammer. He's the best of both worlds. He's incredibly quick, but he can also lay the boom on you, which is exactly what you want. He's like a shorter Derrick Henry. <laughs> 
maybe not as much power, but you know he's he's fun to watch. Uh, the Vikings lost to the Lions. The Lions pulled it off. I uh, I talked about it last week how I picked the Vikings for this game because that was the pick you probably should make in this situation. But the Lions, I said it. I was like, you know, if there's a game that's gonna be that should be lost this week. I thought it was the Saints versus Dallas last week. I was like, but if there's a game that I feel like somebody's going to get upset in, I think it's going to be the Lions upsetting the Vikings. But I, I stuck with my gut, and I went with the Vikings, and I paid for it. Um, but the Lions won on a last-second touchdown to St. Brown, um, and the arena absolutely exploded. Uh, Jared Goff, he played great. He had 296 passing yards and three touchdowns. Threw an interception, but you know you, you gotta <laughs> you can't win without losing some. So Jared Goff had played a pretty good game. And, you know, you could see at the end the videos of Dan Campbell, the Lions head coach. Uh, it, it made me so happy to see is, um, you know, Dan Campbell brings so much fire and so much energy to the Lions, even when they're losing. You know, he can you can tell he truly cares about what's going on there. You know, some coaches, they say, well, yeah, I care what's going on. But they don't they don't really care if you understand what I'm saying. Like he. He, you can just tell by his emotions and his um, his energy that he gives off that he truly likes doing what he's doing right now, and that he cares so much about what's going on. I mean, they're they're technically the Lions could, even though they're one ten and one, um, they could technically make the playoffs if everything went correctly. Um, it will not happen, um, but you know, even if they you know, we're completely knocked out with one of the, with the worst record in the NFL, you know, Dan Campbell week in and week out, you just see this energy that this guy has. And the, the Lions, I think really hit on a coach here, um, at least uh, morality wise. Um, and I don't think he's a bad coach either. I just think that they've had um, a, a really, you know, just kind of buzzsaw season. They played a lot of really good opponents and it's unfortunate because their division's not bad either. Like, the Vikings should have won this game. The Vikings are that talented. And I'll talk about the Vikings later because we're also going to touch on the Steelers game that just happened this past Thursday. But, you know, they got teams like Chicago who um, they, they have a pretty decent offense when they're not injured. Um, and they have the Packers who, you know, they're not going to really do a whole lot against the Packers. Um, the Lions are right now. But, yeah, I think the Lions really hit on Dan Campbell. I don't think he's a bad coach at all. And um, I think they're going to probably stick with him for a while. And uh, they'll definitely have some decent draft picks this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe took a rookie quarterback um, for Jared Goff. But who knows? Because uh, Jared Goff's you know, still got that big old contract that he signed with the Rams. Um, so we'll see. You know, There's a lot of technicalities that come with that. Um, they could go for the edge rusher uh, coming out of, I think it was Notre Dame. Um, I haven't really kept up with college football that much this year, but I know there's um, there's some good candidates for for the, the draft this year. But, yeah, the Lions pulled it off. It was great. Um, I'm not talking much on the Vikings right now because I'll talk about them much more later. Um, let's hop on to the, to the next game. Next game is going to be the Buccaneers and the Falcons. This was uh, a game that I was forced to watch because um, it was on my TV. I, I couldn't just, you know, pick the good game. I had my, my TV is being so weird. I had the Bengals and the Chargers game, but it wouldn't let me watch it. It wasn't that it wasn't available in my area. Just it wouldn't allow me to watch it. it said it was like forbidden. Like I was watching something that wasn't supposed to be there. Um, so I had to watch the Bucks versus Falcons, which, you know, it wasn't bad. I had Gronkowski in my fantasy fantasy team, so I was happy to see him do well. And I was, you know, gave me a little something extra to cheer for. Um, I try to watch the teams that have my fantasy teams in them um, on the day because it kind of gives a little bit more life into the day and a little bit more into the game, especially if it's like this one where, 
you know, it was close at one point, but really not at the end of the game. Um, Tom Brady continues uh, his historic career with another four touchdown game, um, two of which of those touchdowns went to Rob Gronkowski. These guys just don't age, man. I mean, only Gronkowski, if you don't know, Gronkowski retired, I think, two years ago. And he was on the the pregame shows, you know, with uh, with Jimmy Johnson, with Terry Bradshaw, Michael Strahan, um, and they were all, you know, you know, shooting the shit. And he was going to be one of the new hosts on there. And only he could go, he could retire, um, lose a bunch of weight, you know. And you you have to assume that he does because when you are playing a sport like that, you know, you are constantly lifting weights, you are constantly hitting, you are constantly getting better and faster and stronger. Um, you got to imagine he's probably not training like that um, all the time. He probably lost a bunch of weight, which, you know, a guy his size in the position that he plays is tight end. You need to be a bigger guy. Um, So only he could lose a bunch of weight, kind of get out of the routine of being an NFL player, and then come back a year later and be just as competitive as he was previous. I mean, only Rob Gronkowski could do that. Um, Him and Tom Brady are probably the best quarterback to tight end duo or just quarterback to receiver duo ever. Um, You know, it's not a crazy statement. Um, You know, you got... Aikman and Irving, you got um, Joe Montana and uh, Jerry Rice. You have you could name off a bunch of them. Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, for Christ's sake. You could just keep going on and on and on. Um, but I don't think there has been a duo that has been more successful than Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady. I mean, Brady has seven Super Bowls and Rob, Rob Gronkowski has four of them. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, and he, they, they almost had five at the end of the Giants Super Bowl in 2009, I believe it was. You know, Gronk almost caught the, the ball in the end zone. He was just inches away. Um, but, yeah, these guys have just been absolutely marvels of athleticism and, you know, just being able to defy time, father time and aging. And it's just it's, it's really something special to witness. And you don't really notice that until these guys have retired. But uh, I think a lot of us have really kind of sat down and we're like, holy shit, you know, these guys are really something special. And um, just trying to pay close attention to that because you'll probably never see it again. Uh, the Falcons, on the other hand, though, they, uh, they struggled to hold the defending champs down at all. Um, a rushing touchdown by Mike Davis was the highlight in the offense, um, considering the Buccaneers have the best rushing defense in the NFL. Um, Bruce uh, Arians was talking the uh, Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians he was talking about how um, you know that they're not going to let anybody run all over them and that you know they're going to be the best rushing defense in the NFL and then to start the game the Falcons run 64 yards and score a touchdown with Mike Davis um, just to really put it to the to the Buccaneers which I thought was a, a great way to start and probably had a little bit of a, a mental aspect on the Tampa Bay Bucks defense it was like holy shit like you know we're getting moved around like this isn't what usually happens um, a pick six by defensive end Marlon Davidson right before the half uh, brought the Falcons back into the fight. Um, but the inability to defend the pass um, against the Buccaneers, which is really hard to do against um, you know Tom Brady anyways, um, but especially against all of the Buccaneers' tight ends, um, was the biggest problem for the Falcons. They couldn't, you know, Cameron Brait was catching catching footballs. Tom Brady, or sorry, not Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski was all over the place on, in this game. Uh, they, they just really couldn't stop any um, tight end for the Buccaneers. And it was, it was unfortunate for the Falcons, but I thought, you know, maybe the highlight of their day was probably just going down the field in the first drive and really smacking the Buccaneers in the mouth. 
Next up is the 49ers and the Seahawks. This was a fun game. I enjoyed this one, um, even though it was missing Debo Samuel, um, and it wasn't really that close for a while. Um, we saw the resurgence of George Kittle, um, which I was really, really happy about. George Kittle, let me just pull up my lines here. George Kittle had uh, 189 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Um, and this is the type of performance that the 49ers need from George Kittle every game. Um, this offense is headlined by Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Elijah M- uh, Mitchell. Uh, and they can be a part of a playoff team, and I'll talk about them a little later, um, like I said. But, you know, you can't just have guys like Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell um, carrying your offense. You know, George Kittle is one of the best uh, tight ends in the past probably 10 years, and he needs to have these kind of performances every game. Maybe not almost 200 yards, but, you know, a 100-yard receiving game, a 75-yard receiving game. You know, they need these games out of him more, especially with Elijah Mitchell being out this week with a concussion-slash-knee injury um, and to see Debo Samuel still being questionable. And I don't know if Brandon Ayuk is uh, a true wide receiver one just yet, maybe next year. Um, that's kind of the, the same road that Debo Samuel took. Um, he had a good rookie season just like Brandon Ayuk did last year. Um, and then, you know, he's been kind of quiet this year like Debo was, and maybe he'll blow up in his third season. But... Uh, the Niners need more out of Kittle um, just like this, and he had a great game. Even though the Niners lost and Seattle ended up winning, um, the Niners played a respectable game against Seattle, but uh, they failed to stop the offense for any measure of significant time. You know, there's a little bit where Seattle was able to, wasn't able to move the ball for a little bit in the third quarter, but, you know, it was only maybe a drive or two before they went down and scored again. Um, and to start this game, Seattle had, you know, the biggest, like <laughs> – I don't, I don't even know what to call it. They had probably the best first possession I've ever seen um, because they they went three and out. They went to go punt, and instead of punting, Pete Carroll on the first possession of the game decides to run a fake punt and direct snap it to, uh, I think he was a wide receiver. No, he's a safety, I believe, was on the team. I, have, I can't remember his name. Um, but they direct snapped it to, it was Travis Homer. That's who it was. They direct snapped it to him. And he ran it all the way down the field for a touchdown on a fake punt. I was like, I was looking away for a second, and then I look back, and he's running down the field. I was like, what the hell happened? Was it a muffed punt? And I look, and it was a direct snap, so I thought it was awesome. Um, and I think that really gave Seattle a little bit of an edge because they were willing to take chances in this game. They don't really have much else to lose. Um, Russell Wilson threw 37 times. He completed 30 of his passes. Uh, he had 231 passing yards and two touchdowns. This was a very Russell Wilson-esque game. His accuracy was great. He had good deep balls. It was awesome. Adrian Peterson had a touchdown in this game, uh, which I don't know how the hell the guy does it. <laughs> um, DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson seemed to uh, have fixed their broken connection that they'd had in the past couple weeks as uh, Metcalf had had a touchdown for 60 yards. Um, and Seattle's offense just had a good game, which was great, but you know, at what cost? Um, because Seattle's defense lost Jamal Adams due to injury for the rest of the year, which Jamal Adams isn't really a great safety in my eyes. He's uh, he's more of like a, uh, like a blitzing safety, but I feel like, you know, he's still, he's still a loss to Seattle either way, which, uh, which really sucks for, for them. So, you know, you have a great game, but you know, how much longer are you going to be able to keep it up with a, a significant loss to your defense like that? Um, Sunday night football was the Chiefs and the Broncos. Um, I was watching this game, but this game was just so utterly boring that I, I really I couldn't even finish it. Um, the Chiefs basically have been do, did exactly what they've been doing all uh, for the maybe the 
the entire second half of this season, which is letting their defense just, you know, rip apart, um, or not even rip apart, but just like slowly choke the life out of another team's offense. The Broncos, it couldn't get anything going. Um, and Patrick Mahomes had only 184 yards and an interception. And that is like a stat, that's a stat line that you don't, do not expect from Patrick Mahomes at all in any way, shape, or form. Um, it just wasn't a great game for Pat Mahomes. And. Yeah, but it, it was a very boring game. It was just the Chiefs getting, like, one um, rushing touchdown, I believe it was. No, no, it was, uh, what was it? Daniel Sorensen had a pick six, and then they had one offensive touchdown. And then there was two field goals for the Chiefs. That was it. And then there was three field goals for the, for the Broncos. That, that was it. The, this game was not, was not good at any measure. Um, it was just a, an ugly game. It was just one of those ones you really, like, they had to flex it into prime time. Because uh, I think it was the Seattle and Niners game was supposed to be Sunday night football, but they had to change it. Um, and they should have kept it, honestly, because this was just not a great game at all to end the day on. Uh, Monday night football, the infamous Patriots versus Bills game. Um, everybody was losing their minds when this game was over because it was a very harsh weather in Buffalo that night. Um, it was strong winds. It was like sleet and rain and snow a little bit. Um, and it just wasn't great conditions. And the Patriots played to their strengths. Um, Damian Harris and um, Ramondre, I, I always say it wrong, Ramondre Stevenson had a good game. Uh, Harris had 111 yards rushing for only one touchdown, um, which was the only touchdown for New England the entire game. And it was like a, I think it was a 46-yard just break up the middle for Damian Harris. Um, and it was just such a bizarre game because Mac Jones had three passes thrown the entire game, and he only had one in the first half, though. Uh, the Patriots' defense did the heavy lifting for this game. Um, they held Josh Allen to only 145 rushing yards, or sorry, not 145 rushing yards, 145 passing yards and a touchdown. Um, and they also held the Bills' offense down so much that Allen led the uh, Bills in rushing yards as well, um, which was only like 37. So, you know, Josh Allen did all that he could, but... You know, that's this. They couldn't do anything though because the defense is playing so well, um, and the conditions were just not great. Um, the Bills threw a lot, but they couldn't. They couldn't cash in in this game, and they only lost by four. This game ended fourteen to ten, um, and the Patriots scored early, and they uh, got a two point conversion. So we were looking at a thirteen to um, uh, ten game at the end of it. But at one point, and for the majority of the game, it was uh, eleven to ten which is the only reason that kept this game interesting. Um, uh, what was it? Stefan Diggs had a pass in the end zone that he couldn't quite track because it was just over his head. It's really hard for receivers to look backwards um, while they're running because they can't really, like, especially when the ball's, like, right above them because it, you, you obviously can't bend over backwards while running straight and catch a ball. It's just, you know, not very realistic. And Stefan Diggs just couldn't track down the ball um, where because of where it was placed just over his head and it bounced off his forearm because it had just came into his vision um, which turned out to be a huge play for um, for the New England defense because if he had caught that ball um, and the game plays out the way it is the same way it did uh, we would be looking at a Bills victory here um, but uh, the Bills ultimately were out muscled and outplayed um, by New England's running game and everybody was praising Bill Belichick for you know oh he you know outcoached Sean McDermott I'm not even so sure that he outcoached Sean McDermott um, because it was a very simple scheme it was you know we're gonna run the ball 
and you know we're just gonna because they have a good running game so we're gonna run the ball we're gonna play to our strengths these aren't crazy conditions for new england because they've played in worse and you know they're gonna they're gonna do what they do and they're gonna out muscle you and they're gonna move you out of the way and they're gonna move the ball down the field they're gonna take a ton of time off the clock and that's that and that's exactly what happened um some of the Bills players were very salty about this when they were asked, like, um, is this an embarrassing loss for you or whatever, the reporters asking stupid questions. Um, and Sean McDermott also wasn't very happy about it at all, um, you know, saying that, we, you know, people were praising Bill Belichick a little too much, which I, I agree with in a way. Um, but, you know, I think people were missing the the real what re- needed real praise, which was the defense and the, the offensive line and the running backs, honestly. Um, Matt Judon for the New England Patriots. He's a defensive end. Had a uh, had a great quote. He was talking about. He was like, "Yeah, everybody had a great game. Pretty much everybody, but Mac Jones, um, because Mac Jones didn't really do much in this game. But he also, you know, I mean, he's also a rookie, so probably just giving him a hard time as well. Um, and it just seems like the Patriots are really having fun right now, and they're the number one seed in the AFC. And if I told you maybe five weeks ago that they would be the number one team to see in the AFC, you'd probably look at me like I'm stupid." <laughs> Um, that's going to close it out on our week 13 uh, games, and I'm going to take a little break, and then we're going to hop into the Thursday night game between the Steelers and the Vikings. All right, and welcome back. We're going to be talking about the Steelers and Vikings game, and then we're going to go over my picks for this week, and then we'll get into some of our big topics of the week, like I talked about earlier today, um, like who are the real title contenders, are certain teams playoff contenders or not. Um, and we're also going to be trying to break down a little bit the uh, Patriots and Bills game, which we already kind of did, so we might not touch on that again. We don't want to reiterate ourselves, you know? Um, and then we'll go over our power rankings as well, and then we'll be headed on out of here into another week of NFL football. Um, Thursday night, Steelers and the Vikings. I had the Steelers winning this game, and by the third quarter, God, could I not have been more wrong. Uh, the Vikings had been playing stellar, stellar football. Um, they had been shutting the Steelers down. They'd been pressuring Big Ben. They had been taking shots on offense and getting that done. Um, in that entire game, Kirk Cousins threw for 216 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. His worst touch, or, uh, interception game of the season, he uh, entered the game with only three interceptions, left with five. Um, he still has, I think, 28 touchdowns right now. If, I, if I'm right, it's like 26 or 28 touchdowns to five interceptions, which is still a great touchdown-interception ratio. That's, you know, that's somewhere, that's around five to six touchdowns in, per interception, which is, you know, that's all you can really ask for. Um, Dalvin Cook, the, the resurgence of Dalvin Cook, you know, he's been a, a great running back on and off this season, but he's also been injured a lot. He's kind of had the, uh, the Christian McCaffrey way about him where he's a phenomenal running back. He's one of the best in the NFL when he's healthy. He's a good receiving back. He's a good speed back and he's a good power back as well. He is everything that you need. Um, Cook had 27 rushing attempts for 205 rushing yards and two touchdowns, 205 rushing yards on the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't hear that very often. Um, KJ Osborne also had 83 yards and a touchdown. He led the Vikings in receiving and Justin Jefferson had 79 receiving yards and a touchdown. And, and I want to break this game down because it it was fascinating to me because this game had two teams that both played to their fullest potential and their lowest potential in the span of one game. Um, the Vikings playing to their fullest potential for the first two and a half quarters Kirk Cousins making great plays down the field. Dalvin Cook doing what he's supposed to be doing, which is running the ball down their throat. And when on off, or I'm sorry, on defense, <clears throat> on defense, 
They are pressuring Ben Roethlisberger. They are, you know, not allowing him to have maybe two seconds in the backfield. And they are getting turnovers. They're forcing Pittsburgh to, to punt within like 30 seconds of a play. I swear to God, I had looked away on first down. First down was over. I looked away for maybe a minute. I came back and it was fourth down and they were punting. Like they were getting the Steelers off the field so quickly. It was it was great. I was like, holy hell, like, you know, this is who the Vikings are are supposed to be this is who they should be week in and week out they are world beaters when they are um playing like that i don't think that first half i don't know if there's been a better first half this season that i've seen personally um i'm sure there has been one but i have not seen a better first half played um by a team than the vikings played in um or uh in this game the Steelers did lose TJ Watt early in this game, which does hurt a lot. He is a he is the sack leader for the NFL. He's a great defensive presence. Um, but either way, once the third quarter hit, I think it was like nine minutes left in the third. I had looked at my wife and I said, you know, if this if the Steelers don't get a first down here, it was like twenty nine to nothing. You know, the Steelers couldn't get anything going. I was like, if they don't score right here, like I'm gonna just turn off the TV. You know, whatever, watch whatever you want. And then they go right down the field and they score. And I'm like, okay, that's sick. You know, it was the possession where Chase Claypool had a phenomenal catch against Patrick Peterson where he basically pinned the ball against his face as he's going down. Um, And Ben Roethlisberger turned into 2015 Ben Roethlisberger all the second. But Ben Roethlisberger finished the game with 308 passing yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Najee Harris had uh, 20 rushing attempts for 94 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Chase Claypool had 93 receiving yards, no touchdown. Deontay Johnson had uh, 76 yards, uh, no touchdown. And um, James Washington had 65 yards and no touchdown. And defensively for the Steelers, uh, Witherspoon had two interceptions. Um, and they were both huge. Um, but I want, I want to get back to the offense because the second that the offense was able to protect Ben Roethlisberger even a little bit, then it then it flipped. It was like a light switch. And and the thing is, I don't. For some people who you know, even if you watch football, sometimes you don't always put together um, how short a play is. You know, it moves so fast. Um, and I remember, you know, teaching teaching young linemen, and and something to really kind of calm them down because sometimes when you have a game like this one, where you are you know your quarterback's constantly getting pressured. You know, it seems like you can't do anything right. You can't keep, get them any time. Um, all you got to tell them is, hey, give me three seconds. That's it. Give me three seconds. Think about how long three seconds is for, like, the NFL. That was three seconds right there. Now, if you think about how fast of an NFL game moves, that, that little pause I just did back there, that was three seconds. If you think about how fast an NFL game moves, you can get, if you give your quarterback three seconds – Especially if they're in shotgun. Oh, my God. You know, you could give them three seconds and they'd be back there forever. You know, you hear announcers say, oh, they have a plenty of time back there, you know, or like all the time in the world to throw. And you look at how long they had to throw. The quarterback had less than 10 seconds to throw. But that's just how fast the game moves. That's how fast you are expected to throw a ball. These wide receivers can cover 10 yards in honestly, like seriously, a second. These 40-yard dash times get faster every year. And these guys can run 40 yards in less than four and a half seconds, which is unbelievable. So you think about it, though. If you can tell your lineman, hey, give me three seconds in the pocket, 
you know, give us three seconds of protection to let something develop in the backfield or three seconds to, you know, let Chase Claypool go down for, for a post route for like a 15 yard post, you know, just three seconds. And then I think I, and I think there was some sort of talk. I really do because it was like a light switch, like uh, Witherspoon got his interception and the Steelers got the ball or, or no, no, it was uh the Steelers had gotten the ball back and there was the, the possession where I said like, I'll turn off my TV if they don't score or even get a first down. And they go right down the field and score, but it was because Ben Ben was throwing the ball quick, but it was also because they were giving him that three seconds. They, they weren't giving him, you know, two and a half seconds. They weren't giving him two seconds. They were giving him three. And Ben had, had time to throw, and Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and James uh, Washington had time, and they were able to make a play. I think um, the unsung heroes of this game, and I'll talk about Chase Claypool in a little bit because he, he did some horrible, horrible things. Um, that really screwed the Steelers. Um, but they, they, they were part of the unsung heroes is the fact that they were able to make the plays. Um, ben Roethlisberger had to fit, fit the ball in some tight spaces in order to move the ball forward, and they were able to catch it. Chase Claypool had some great catches. Deontay Johnson had some phenomenal ones. So did James Washington. James Washington almost had the touchdown of the year where he did like a 360 almost like spinning toe tap touchdown. It was so close. If he had caught it, it would have been touchdown of the year in my opinion. Um, but you saw some mental like switch flip for the Steelers, and they started to get that time um, to Ben Roethlisberger, and he was able to make plays. And then Najee Harris turned it on um, when he was doing okay. I mean, Najee Harris had probably the best three-yard run, as said by Troy Aikman. He had probably had the best three-yard run I had ever seen because it was a, I believe it was a zone to the left or to the right, and the play blew up. And Najee Harris, uh, the pile was right there in front of him. He was getting guys grabbing on him, and he stiff arms one dude, spins away, stiff arms two or two more, and then carries one to the first down um, to get the four yard first down. And it was it, <clears throat> it was unbelievable. And something happened with these Steelers, and it just flipped. Um, and unfortunately, ultimately, they didn't win. Um, they they came so close. This game ended thirty six to twenty eight. Um, the Steelers had I think it was th- two touchdowns. Um, by the time that the Vikings had just scored another one to make it 36-21, if I'm remembering correctly. I'm not looking at any stats or anything right now. I'm just kind of off the top of my head because I've been thinking about this game for the past two days, trying to formulate how I'm going to put this together and really like bring you guys the best way to describe this because it was, it was really amazing how the Steelers were able to, to just add that extra second. I don't I really don't think people pay attention enough to how how – important that those three seconds are three to five seconds is ideal you give your quarterback three to five seconds all game um and you'll never you'll you'll be successful you will it's just how it is i want if you're listening the next football game that you watch college high school whatever count how long those quarterbacks have whether it's under center from the snap you know or if it's from um shotgun or whatever just count how long they have to hold that ball and then see what happens the longer they have it i guarantee you the better the play and i this was a phenomenal game i loved it because it was the most boring game in the world for the first two and a half quarters and then right away the steelers turned it around and made it a game worth watching uh moving into our sunday picks i am gonna go down my list here and then we'll get to our big topics of the week um, first game is Seahawks and the Texans. I think Seattle has finally figured it out. I had been talking about how the past two weeks I was probably going to pick against them until they had finally figured themselves out in offense. And the Niners are a little bit of a, of an injured team on defense, um, which we'll talk about. Um, 
But Seattle still had a really good game um, defensively and offensively, and they played uh, the most complete game, I thought, since that Rams game um, that Russell Wilson had got hurt in. They really hadn't played full um, defensive or offensive or cohesive um, games together. So I, uh, I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one because I think they finally got their mojo back, Austin Powers, baby. But, um, yeah, I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one over the Texans. Uh, next up, we have the divisional matchup. There's actually quite a few divisional matchups this week. Um, I might later, let me count them real quick. So there's a one, two, three, four, five, um, six, seven, seven divisional matchups this game, uh, which is ridiculous. I don't think I've ever, I don't know how many, that, that's a lot of divisional matchups. I don't know. I also wanted to comment on something. <laughs> I was looking at the schedule this year, um, and Washington, has five division games to end the season, but that's a, the case for a lot of teams this year. I've noticed that a lot of teams are playing like four th- or three division games to end the year, which I thought was really weird because usually it's like you play one in the beginning and then one in the end, but something like Dallas and Washington are playing each other twice in two weeks or three weeks. Same thing with Washington and Philadelphia. It's a very odd situation, but uh, back to the Chiefs and the Raiders. Um I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one uh, because the Raiders, the last time the Chiefs and the Raiders played, um, it was the Chiefs' best offensive game. This year a lot, if you've noticed, um, this, the Chiefs and Raiders game was the only 40-plus game for the Chiefs, which was kind of like a normal thing for the Chiefs, was to score like 30, 40 points, sometimes 50, for, for Christ's sakes. So, and it was the only game that they had scored 40, and I think the Chiefs have finally gotten the Raiders' number because usually the Raiders are the team that beat the Chiefs year in and year out. They, they're the team that has the Chiefs number, but I think it's flipped around. Um, and Kansas City's on a pretty good run right now, especially after a disastrous start to the season. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with Kansas City on this one. Next up is Dallas and Washington. This is actually a pretty big divisional matchup. Even though Dallas and Washington aren't that close in, um, in record, I mean, they're only two games apart from each other. Uh, but 8-4 and four sounds a hell of a lot better than 6-6. Six and six. Um, they, they, Like I said earlier, these two teams have each other twice in three weeks. So uh, this first game is a pretty big one, especially divisional race-wise. Um, both of these teams are in the playoff picture right now. Uh, Dallas is currently the number four seed and Washington's the number six seed. Um, that is obviously likely to change. But we'll get into the, to the playoff picture and stuff in a little while. I've been trying to stick away from the playoff picture um, for a couple weeks just so I you know, don't get ahead of myself. I didn't like doing the, the, the end of the season award, uh, look forward. I did a couple episodes ago, but you know, it's, it's not a bad idea, but anyway, um, I'm going to take Dallas in this one. Uh, the only thing that worries me though, about this game is that Washington has been playing great football for Dallas or for, um, playing great football overall. And for Dallas, Mike McCarthy showed some great confidence, uh, this past week, which is great. You know, you want your coach to be confident in you. You don't want him to be overconfident. He said, Sorry. He said, you know, openly, uh, we're going to win this game. I have no doubt about that, which is great. That's good confidence, but you can't lose it now. And Ron Rivera had a great um, retaliation to this or response to this was he was saying he made it about him. He made it about Mike McCarthy, not Dallas anymore, because if the Cowboys don't win and they lose to Washington and they they lost to Washington twice last year, um, then you're going to be looking at headlines that, you know, say, oh, Mike McCarthy said this, blah, 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 blah. And that's not something you want because then you're going to be turned into kind of like an Urban Meyer situation where the news is going to be worried about you rather than the team. Um, not saying that Mike McCarthy is Urban Meyer, but you're going to be, you know, looked at a lot more than why you lost. Um, 
I'm taking Dallas in this one. Uh, purely talent base wise, I think the Dallas Cowboys have a much better team than the Washington football team does. And Dallas is undefeated in division games this year, which is I've, they've only played two of them so far, but <clears throat> they've handled both of those games decisively. Um, so yeah, I'm going to run with Dallas in this one. Next up is the Titans and the Jaguars, another division game. And I'm going to take the Titans in this one. Um, purely because the Jaguars are all over the place. They just had all the issues with Urban Meyer, their head coach this past week, um, and Marvin Jones, uh, you know, talking about how Urban Meyer basically made him leave the locker room because he was so angry. Um, Urban Meyer has been nothing but a cancer to this team, and he will be out of that building by the end of the season. I would be surprised if he got fired before the season's over. Um, if you don't know about Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones is a former Detroit Lions wide receiver um, signed to the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, this past season. And, you know, he's a great asset to the Jaguars, especially if Trevor Lawrence can continue to grow. Um, he's going to be great. And the offense for the Jags could be really good in the coming years <clears throat> if Trevor Lawrence progresses and gets better. Sorry, my throat is so sore today. Or not sore, but just dry. I mean, maybe that's what I get for doing a podcast by myself. But... Um, Trevor, if Trevor Lawrence can progress, then you know the Jags will be looking at something good. But um, Urban Meyer was talking about how all of his his assistant coaches were losers this past week and all that stuff. But um, it made somebody like Marvin Jones, who is a veteran wide receiver, who is very well respected in the locker room for all the teams that he's played for, which is only two, but still, he's played for two teams and he has that reputation. Um, and it got so bad that Marvin Jones had to leave the facility and then was forced to come back to talk with urban Meyer about it. That's how much of a cancer urban Meyer is. He's been, he's been in the news more about the antics that he has, you know, been a part of and the issues that he's had rather than the uh, Jaguars and, you know, why the Jaguars are doing so bad. So, um, the Titans are injury ridden right now, but I think they have, and uh, the Titans also just activated Julio Jones, a hall of fame wide receiver already. I believe, I think he's a hall of fame level wide receiver. Um, and they activated him, and I think, you know, they're injury-ridden, but they're getting better. They're getting healthier, so I think they're just going to roll over the Jaguars in this one and uh, keep their keep their spot as the, I think it's the number two team in the AFC right now for the playoff picture, um, if I'm right. Yeah, they're number two right now, and they I think they'll continue to challenge New England record-wise for the number one seed, but I don't think they'll get it just because, you know, the talent and the, the injury situation is just, it's much different, but uh, Titans over Jags. Next up is the Saints and the Jets. Um, I expect Taysom Hill to roll over the Jets in this one. Um, I, but I, then again, I don't expect the Jets to roll over. Um, I think this game is going to be relatively close. I think it'll be like a 27 to 20 or 21 situation. Um, but I expect the Saints to have a really good offensive day. Um, Taysom Hill, even though he threw four interceptions against Dallas, still uh, per, was productive offensively. In a way, he had uh, over 200 passing yards and over 100 rushing yards in that game. So I think he'll just be running all over the Jets, and I don't think they're really going to have much else to do to stop it. Um, the Jets' defense has just become or not competitive at all, which was the only highlight of their team, and it's just not happening anymore. So Saints over Jets. Next up is the Falcons and the Panthers. I'm going to take the Falcons in this one, purely based off of the performance that I saw last week against the Buccaneers. Um, you know, I don't like to ride my divisional game you know, um, uh, superstition very much. Uh, like too hard. Um, but I think the Falcons, you know, they, they almost like 
you could clearly see Tampa was going to win that game last week, but it wasn't going to surprise me if the Falcons had won because the game was relatively close for you know a good half of the game. Um, and I think the Falcons are going to carry that over, and I think they're going to beat the Panthers this week because no Christian McCaffrey, Sam Darnold's all over the goddamn place. The defense is you know good, but not enough to win you games. Um, I just don't think that the Panthers have enough to beat the Falcons. So Falcons over Panthers. Next up is another divisional game. It's the Ravens and the Browns. I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. Um, I think the Browns are far too inconsistent to play with a team like the the Ravens. But, uh, you know, just as we saw two weeks ago that uh, the Ravens defense is able to hold the uh, Browns offense down. Um, But Nick Chubb is back. So is Kareem Hunt. They're all going to be the the, the band is back together for the Browns. And if they want to make a late season push, this is the game to start it. But uh, I don't see it really happening. But, you know, it's a possibility. Um, I'm taking Ravens over Browns, though. Next up is the Chargers and the Giants. This one should be a no-brainer. The Giants are just one of the most injury-ridden teams in the NFL, and the Chargers just are coming off a huge win against the Bengals. Um, Chargers over Giants. I don't really need to comment on it too much. Um, that's that's it. Broncos and Lions. Um, the Lions, I think, got their win. I don't see them beating the Broncos right now. Uh, the Broncos are playing decent football um, other than the Kansas City game where they were fell victim to a good Kansas City defense. Um, I really don't see them losing to the Lions in any way. Um, the Lions are losing, missing a Jamal Adi- or Jamal Williams this game, and uh, I think they're gonna. They had their one win, and I don't really see them getting another one for the rest of the season. Next up is the Bengals and the 49ers. This is an interesting matchup for me. I, I actually kind of like this one a lot. Um, I wish that Elijah Mitchell was playing. I wish both of these teams were as healthy as they could possibly be, because um, the Bengals relatively are, except for Joe Burrow and his finger. But I think he'll be playing. Um, but the 49ers are not as healthy as they could be. Um, Elijah Mitchell could be playing. Debo Samuel could be fully healthy. You know, this would be a much more fun game um, <clears throat> if the 49ers had more more uh, health to their to their roster. And I think it would be much more fun, but I think with the injuries um, and missing key players, I think the Bengals are going to be able to pull this one off against the 49ers, but it's, it's going to be a, a sad opportunity missed because I think this really could be a fun, fun game if both of these teams were healthy. Next up is the Bills and the Buccaneers. The Bills really got to win this one. Um... I'm taking them. I'm taking the Bills in this one uh, because they, I think they really need it. The Patriots lost really hurt, and then the game against the Colts hurt even more because they got absolutely hammered against the Colts. So I, I really don't see the Colts. It's it's hard because I want to. I want to take the Bucks because I feel like the Bucks are the the smart pick, but I think the Bills are so back against the wall and they're so talented that. Um, Oh boy, I just got word that Bryce Young from Alabama um, just won the Heisman Trophy. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure he's a true freshman as well. I remember watching his highlights at, uh, I think it was, not De La Salle, is it now? I can't remember the name of the high school, but I remember watching his uh, high school highlights and uh, watching some of the games. He, he's a good football player. But anyway, <laughs> uh, back to the Bills and the Bucks. Um the Bills, I think they're, they're so cornered, but I think they're so talented as well that eventually they're just going to come out and bite somebody. And I think the Buccaneers are um, right for the picking in that situation. Um, and I think just because it's a animal in a corner situation, I'm taking the Bills for this one. Next up is the Bills, or sorry, the, the Packers and the uh, Bears. Um, I, I'm going to take the Packers in this one. Um, 
purely because, you know, not because of like, oh, Aaron Rodgers owns the Packers or whatever, which he does. Um, but I, I think the Packers are just superior to the Bears right now. Um, I don't really know a ton about Justin Fields' status right now because um, it's, it's still up in the air as far as I've known. Um, but Andy Dalton threw four interceptions last week against the Cardinals. You know, they don't really do a ton on offense, and the Packers have just been rolling the Bears for so many years now that it's kind of hard to pick against them. So, yeah, Packers over Bears. And then going on to Monday Night Football is the Cardinals and the Rams. Um, this was a fun one to pick because the last time the Cardinals played the Rams, the Cardinals handled the Rams pretty well. Um, but you can't always bank on that every week uh, in every matchup. Uh, I'm going to take the cards in this one because uh, they just became healthier. They had a great showing against the Bears last week, which isn't saying much, but I think the Bears game was kind of a warm-up game for the for the Rams game. And... Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one um, just because I think they're they're, they're superior team. I think they're younger. I think they're faster. I think they're better. They're stronger. Um, and I just overall think that uh, the Cardinals are going to, you know, not wipe the, the Rams in this game, but I think they're just going to handle them pretty well, just like they did last time. So I got two topics that I want to talk about. Um, and that's going to be are teams like the 49ers and Washington playoff teams or not? Um, and this is a tough answer for me um, because they both have semi like they don't they, their schedules are not super nice moving forward. Um, the 49ers right now are sitting at six and six uh, should be seven and five, but Seattle game is whatever. Um, you got the Bengals this week, which um, I'm picking against them for that. They got the Falcons, which they should be able to win that one. That's when Debo Samuel comes back and uh, probably Elijah Mitchell will come back and they'll be healthier. Um and then they got the Titans after that, which, you know, they could beat the Titans. Um, that's just if whether or not the Titans defense shows up or not. And then week 17, you have the Texans, which should be a win for them. So you, you're you looking at a 9-7 and seven team right now. And then you lose, they have the Rams week 18, which I don't think they're going to have a um, – another game like they did against the Rams initially where they, you know, just kind of come out and surprise everybody and wipe them, um, or wipe the floor with them. I really don't see it working out that way for the, uh, for the 49ers two, two games in a row against a team like the Rams who are very, very talented. Um, so, you know, they they would end the season at nine and eight, which, you know, could make it in, but then you've got teams like the Vikings who are right on your tail. You got the teams like the Eagles who are right on your tail as well. Both of those teams are six and seven, and those are really the only other teams that I see making the playoffs and maybe stealing a spot. Um, so I, I see the Niners as a super, as a uh, not a Super Bowl team, as a uh, as a playoff team for sure. Um, it's just whether or not they're going to be able to maybe pull off an upset win against the Bengals or pull off an upset win against the the Rams for the second time and prevent themselves from being upset as well. Um, talking about Washington, though, moving forward, uh, let's look. So Washington has, ever since Week 10, they've been on a four-game winning streak. They beat the Buccaneers, who, you know, that that surprised everybody. Um, but then they beat the Panthers, who have a losing record. They beat the Seahawks, who have a losing record. And they beat the Raiders, who I believe have a losing record. Let me just double-check that so I'm right. Uh, they have a neutral record. They're 6-6. Six and six. So moving forward, the Washington has Dallas, who, you know, it doesn't look great for them. Um, they might win it, but, you know, the odds are against them in that one. Then they got Philly, who I don't, I'm not really sure if Washington could beat Philly. Um, I think Fletcher Cox in that game would be able to pressure um, Taylor Heineke a lot. 
um, and make him uncomfortable back there. And they'd be relying on Antonio Gibson and um, J.D. McKissick to make plays. And I just don't know if that's going to be the way that it's going to work for, for Washington. But then they played Dallas again. And like I said, Dallas is probably the more superior team. So that's three potential losses. And then you have Philly again. Then you have the Giants. So unlike the Niners, uh, uh, end of the season, you know, you have two games that are probably going to lose, which the Niners do have. But then you also have two two games that you could probably going to lose as well against Philly. That's just the way I look at it. I think uh, Philly will be able to beat Washington twice. Um, but even so, say they trade with Philly and they beat Philly once and then they lose to Philly, but then they lose to Dallas twice. You know, they still go three and five and they end up six, uh, nine and eight. You know, it'd be all over the place. But uh, it, it's a very interesting end of the season for these two teams. Um, I do see them both as playoff uh, teams, but I think I would see the 49ers as a playoff team more than Washington. Um, purely based off of talent, and I think 49ers are a more complete team than Washington are, um, offensively and defensively. Um, but yeah, that's that's the answer to that question. I'm going to say yes, they're both playoff teams, especially with um, with how the playoff picture is looking right now, um, with the Cardinals at number one in the NFC, Packers at two, Bucks at three, Cowboys at four. Rams at five, Washington at six, and uh, 49ers at seven. Um, and then, like I said, you got uh, Vikings and the Eagles at uh, eight and nine, right outside of the playoff picture. Um, and the same thing goes for, you know, teams like the Colts and the Raiders. You know, are they playoff teams? Are the Steelers playoff teams? Are the Browns playoff teams? Are the friggin' Broncos playoff teams? I mean, there are, let's see, how many, how many teams that are seven win teams in the AFC they have one two three four four seven win teams um the Colts are just about tied with the Bills Chargers and Bengals but then you've got the Raiders the Steelers the Browns the Broncos and the Dolphins who all have six wins um and who all you know say the Broncos lose to the Lions the Browns lose to the Ravens Steelers lose to the Vikings, Raiders, you know, it could work out perfectly. Like I said earlier, probably not going to happen, but it could work out to where Miami makes it. That's how close the playoff race is compared to the AFC than the NFC. So that's why I'm saying yes to Washington and um, the 49ers being playoff teams, because even though they're on the bottom echelon, there's only two other teams that are really chasing them down, um, which are Philly and uh, Minnesota. Uh, next up is the who are the real contenders? Okay, we have all these teams who are in the playoff picture. Um, you know, you have your top four teams of each side, which are, you know, your Patriots, your Cardinals, your Packers, your Titans. Um, but who who are your real contenders? You know, who are the people? Who are the teams that are going to show up and you know really make a run at this? And I've got five teams. I've got five. Um, one of them just recently showed up i've had this list for a couple weeks now because i've been tracking it uh, but i really didn't want to say like oh potential playoff you know, or uh, super bowl uh you know matchups who's gonna win the super bowl blah 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 because blah, i don't like that um but i do have my five real contenders this is as close as i'm gonna get i have the cardinals the buccaneers the patriots the packers and the chiefs the reason i choose um, the Cards, the Chiefs, and the Patriots is because they, and the Packers, really, but the Packers, not so much. Is those three, I'm going to say the Cards, um, 
uh, Chiefs and Patriots. The reason I choose them is because even with the offense being in whatever situation it is, even with a rookie quarterback like Mac Jones, with Kyler Murray being out three weeks, with the Chiefs' offense not being as good as it used to be, the defenses have all stepped up and helped Colt McCoy win a football game, helped Mac Jones throw two interceptions or throw an interception against the Dallas Cowboys and take still take them into overtime. Uh, only the Chiefs defense have, you know, had an offense to where it's been as explosive as it has been for three years now, but then have them struggle to, you know, only score 20 points a game. But the defense is only holding the other team to nine points a game. That's a Super Bowl team right there. The Chiefs are a Super Bowl team because no, they're not scoring as much on offense, but the defense is holding you down. They're holding the other team down, and that's what you need. Um, I chose the Bucks and the Packs because I think the offense are the offenses are too good to not pick. Um, the defense for the for the Packers is not bad either. They're they're not bad by any measure of the word. Um, but I just you know I think that the offense is way more important to the Packers situation or the Buccaneers situation um, and their success than, uh, you know, like the Cardinals or the the Chiefs or the Patriots. That's just, that's my, my takeaway on that is those are my five real contenders, the Cards, Bucks, Chiefs, Packers, and Patriots. All right, moving on to our final segment, uh, the power rankings of this week. And at number 32, it is no longer the, the Lions. Thank God it is the Texans. Uh, the Texans are not great at all. <laughs> um, 31, I got the Jets. 30, I have Jacksonville. 29, I have the Lions. 28, I have the Giants. 27, I have the Panthers. I need to give like an award for who has dropped the farthest because um, I think the Panthers have done that. I think they've dropped the farthest on my list um, out of everybody the entire season. Uh, let's see. 26, I have the Falcons. 25, I have the Seahawks. 24, I have the Bears. 23, I have the Saints. 22, I have the Browns, and 21, I have the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins have been playing really great football lately. Like I said, they're on a five-game win streak. Um, I think they should be a little higher, but um, once we get up into this middle area, these teams, a lot of them are very similar. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of these matchups, like if I saw the Eagles and the Steelers, I'd be like, oh, that's a good matchup because they're, they're both very, you know, good quality. Or not good quality, but they're both, you know, very equal in, in skill and ability to win. Um, 20, I have the Vikings. 19, I have the Eagles. 18, I have the Steelers. I have the Vikings lower than the Steelers because of how often the Vikings can lose. Um, the Vikings, especially this was, this was pre Thursday night game, but still, if, if it, if the Vikings had won that game 29 to zero, then the Vikings would be higher up on this list than the Steelers. But the fact that they almost allowed the Steelers to come back, um, just I didn't I don't think they should they're they're uh allotted to go up any higher. Uh seventeen I have or sorry, uh twenty I have the Vikings, nineteen I have the Eagles, eighteen I have the Steelers, seventeen I have Washington, sixteen I have the Broncos, fifteen I have the Raiders, fourteen I have the 49ers, thirteen the Titans, twelve the Bengals, eleven the Ravens, ten the Chargers, nine the Cowboys, eight the Bills. Seven, the Colts. Six, the Chiefs. Five, the Rams. Four, the Bucks. Packers at three. Cardinals at two. And the New England Patriots are your number one ranked team in the NFL right now. 
for the Boom Team Podcast power rankings, which mean absolutely nothing. But um, the Patriots took their rightful spot. Uh, they've been the number one team in the NFL for a couple weeks now. Um, I just thought I'd give teams like the Titans and the Cardinals and the Packers their their due diligence um, because they had been playing great football as well. Um, but the Patriots have been the best team in the NFL for a couple weeks now. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Boom Team Podcast, episode 11, season 2. Um, I really enjoyed doing this, and I hope you guys really enjoyed listening. Uh, remember to follow me on all my socials on Twitter and Instagram at dakota.nutter. It's all lowercase, dakota.nutter. Uh, follow the TikTok. It's all lowercase, uh, Boom Team Podcast. It's all one word. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you guys on the flip side. <laughs>